We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I mentioned in episode 462 that I'm doing a new training program called How to Be a Transformative Principle. It's for those who are in their first three years of being a principal or assistant principals or aspiring principals who want to level up their game right now. Join me at jethrojones.com slash how the number two B, how to be. We'll see you there. That's jethrojones.com slash how to be. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited to have today to have Sarah Sonnenshine. I knew I'd mess up your name as soon as I started thinking about it. So I'm just going to call her Sarah Sunshine, which is how she prefers to be called. She's a principal in New Jersey and has been a principal for eight years and before that was a teacher for 19 years. So Sarah, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you've invited me onto this podcast. I feel honored to be part of this transformative principle family and people who are listening. And I really hope that I can, I can um, give everyone who's listening a little bit of my experiences and help help them be a better principal or a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we're definitely going to do that today. So I reached out to you first because um, you post occasionally on LinkedIn, uh, this little thing called a day in the life of principal sunshine. And Sarah, I think that's really cool. 
and you posted a really vulnerable thing on there the other day about a situation that you encountered. And I so appreciated your vulnerability and recognizing that you didn't have all the answers and you wanted to be better and do better. And I just thought that was really cool of you to do. So tell us a little bit about these posts that you do a day in the life of Principal Sunshine. Okay. So um, I started doing it a little bit, a little way back when I watched a video about a principal. His name is Principal Akbar Cook. He's also a principal in New Jersey. He's awesome. And it was he, he is just so incredibly inspiring. I was so inspired by that video where um, in the video, he talks about how he studied, um, he researched, like he tried to figure out why so many of his students were, were uh, missing school. And he realized that a lot of the kids didn't have washing machines at home. And so they wouldn't have clean clothing to wear. So he installed an incomplete laundromat in the school that he's a principal at. And I just was so inspired by him. And I realized something when I watched that. And that was that we have so many opportunities to help kids with things that are really out of their control. And if we would just open our eyes as principals and teachers and really listen to our students and listen with empathy and compassion and try to figure out what is making their life difficult, then we could help them. We really can. We have the power to help them. And so I wanted, so the, the day in the life of Principal Sunshine was an opportunity for me to stop every day and see if I can find those opportunities. And by forcing myself to write about them, I helped myself look for them in a more active way. Um, and that's how it started. It was more, it wasn't really to, for other people, it was for myself. Yeah. And that's how, that's how it began. Well, the cool thing is that a lot of things that we do for ourselves end up helping other people and you got a ton of people who replied to your comments about that vulnerable position about dealing with a um, a teacher in your school who was frustrated by something that was going on in you and the the teacher's misbehavior or bad behavior did not overshadow your desire to improve yourself you owned the situation and said how could i do this better that's a mindset issue. That's something that you have to believe at your core you need to do, that you're the one who's responsible for solving problems. You're the one who can make things better yourself because you own the solution to the problem, as Richard Shell says. So how did you develop that attitude in your life, especially as a leader? Hmm, that's a hard question. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> You know, any attitude or or character trait that you have, I mean, how does it develop? You know, it develops by self-reflection and, and meditation and thinking about things and trying to be the best person you can be by reading up about people. I mean, I have so many heroes and people I look up to. Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> I mean, I could name, uh, you know, so many people that have influenced me directly and indirectly. And as a teacher, just watching principals, how they acted, you know, um, I'm sure you've read Bernstein beers and the famous line, this is what you should not do. <laughs> the dad says, um, you know, I'm teaching you what to do by uh, doing it wrong. And this is what you should not do. But so lots of things I learned from watching people do the wrong things and saying, <laughs> I'm not going to do it that way. You know, I guess it's just your, like, like we said before, like a personal journey, you go through different things and you realize how you want 
other kids to, you want the kids to see, you know, feel and, and. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's really important to learn from watching other people. And sometimes you watch people do the wrong things. And so you say, I'm going to do a better job. And sometimes you see people do the right things and you say, I want to be just like them. And you've shared both examples uh, today. Well, you've hinted at the the negative example. Can you give an example of someone, one of your leaders in the past or somebody else that you've learned from and said, I do not want to be like that in the future? Because you already shared the great example about Akbar Cook. Well, um, my own personal experiences with elementary school and high school, I've had, I had many, many negative experiences as a student. And so many times when I've said to myself, why, why do the teachers have to treat us in such a disrespectful way? You know, um, the assumption that I was trying to do something wrong when I knew as a child that I wasn't, I was trying to do, be the best I can be. But instead of being, having that assumption, I always felt like I was somehow pushed into a corner and mm-hmm. not raised. Instead, I was pushed down. And and as a kid, I always, like, that was one of the reasons I became a teacher is because I said, I am going to show the world. You know, when you're a kid, it's the whole world to you. School yeah. is, is the world. And I said, I'm going to show the world that teachers could respect kids and find what they're good at and inspire kids and empower kids. And I'm going to show the world that learning could be fun and exciting because I always love to learn, but I hated to learn the way mm-hmm. they taught, you know, boring and monotonous. And so, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that's, that's such a good example. And I was, was in a similar position as a student in school where um, people assumed the worst about me rather than assuming positive intent, um, as Melinda Miller talks about on this podcast. And I, I think that that helped spur me to say, I want to be a teacher and help kids. I want to be a principal and help kids also. And it, uh, it definitely shaped me into who I am today. And I think that that's, that's really powerful. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. In thinking about the impact that you're having on your school now, what is the what is the legacy that you want to leave for your school? What is the thing that you want to walk away from saying, I did this and, and we can be proud of that? That's a great question. Um, 
because it's like a big picture question. And when you're a principal, there are, you know, your day in life becomes very small. It becomes, you know, every day is just so many different details. And so it is important to keep that in mind. I think that what I want the, my, my legacy to be is that I want kids to have fond memories of school. And I want kids to know that adults could be caring and compassionate and loving. And I also want to be that role model for kids so that when they get older and they're in a position of authority and they become parents and possibly teachers or principals, they see, they know there's another way because unfortunately, even in today's day and age, there are many schools that that's not the norm where kids are not always treated with respect. So I want them to know that this model exists because they experienced it and it should be, that should be normal. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. should be the way things are. Yeah. That should be normal. That's a great way to phrase that. There shouldn't be any surprise about it, that it's happening. It should be what you expect and what you get also. Um, I do want to change gears just a little bit here because you, when you and I were talking, you brought up something else that I think is really fascinating and it's your work on curriculum HQ Dot com, which I think people should should definitely go and check out. But you do a lot of work to help kids learn how to write. And I, as a former English teacher, think that communication is the most important thing that we can teach. And instead of calling our classes English language arts or something like that, or English or language arts or whatever the case may be, we should call them communication. And if we took that approach that we are helping kids communicate, which is what I did as a teacher, that that was my whole role was to help kids learn how to communicate. Then we would change things. We would change things a lot for them. And so teaching kids how to write effectively is really important. So tell us a little bit about the, the writing work that you've done and that you, that people can get to learn how to teach their kids to write and why that's so important. Okay. I love, I love that you said that because I'm just, Today, I was in a classroom, in the sixth grade classroom, and um, they were making a bulletin board for the PTA that's coming up on Wednesday night. And each, uh, the teacher had divided the class into little groups, and they each had to write about one subject. So the group that was writing about the writing subject wrote a little paragraph about it. And the last sentence was, we're almost finished writing our feature article, and we are looking forward to our nighting. So I went into the classroom and I told the girls, I said, I'm so happy that you're looking forward to your next writing. Uh, That's great. That's fantastic. I said, what would you like to write next? And so they told me that they want to write letters because last year they wrote letters. They all wrote to different companies and different people. And some of them got responses and their eyes were lighting up and they were remembering about those letters that they wrote. So that communication that you just said, I, I really, that resonates with me a lot. So about my writing programs, um, I agree with that um, concept that we need to teach kids how to write because writing teaches kids to express themselves. It helps with their thinking. It helps to get them thinking and it gets them to own whatever subject they're writing about. And I feel that that is the most important thing we can do for kids is we can help them love to learn. When they own the subject that they're learning about, writing about, researching about, it becomes a whole different kind of learning. It's not me telling you what to do. I know I'm the kind of person who hates being told what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I think most kids are like that as well. So when you tell them we're going to be writing a research paper, but you can choose what you would like to research. 
you know, or even if you narrow it down, you say we're going to be writing about a country, but you choose the country that you would like to reach. We're writing a letter, but you choose the person you'd like to write to and what you'd like to ask them. You know, so you give them that ownership of the material and the content. And I find that kids just take it and fly with it and they love it. Instead of a chore, it becomes something that they enjoy and it becomes something that they really invest their time and effort into. Mm -hmm. So um, basically the way um, it works is I created these workbooks here. I'll show one to you. Here's one. (laughs) You can't really see it so well, but basically there are 10 different topics that kids learn to write, 10 different essays. Um, there's personal narrative essay, letter, different types of letters. There are nonfiction types of essays, biographies, things like that. And each essay writing is divided into, is, is in, in a workbook format. And um, what you'll see on the website is that I created also an online course, which helps the teacher basically go through that um, type of essay writing. And it gives the teacher, along with each lesson, Uh, an explainer video of how to present the lesson. But when I sell it as a workbook to teachers, because many teachers just want to use the workbook, then I give them like a PowerPoint presentation telling them how to use the workbook. So it's either or you don't need, you know, obviously you don't need both. But right now I'm selling, every time I sell this program is only sold in the workbook format. So far I have not sold it in the the digital format. Um, And so that's how it works. And, And basically the kids go through the steps. The skills are very broken down. Um, I'll give you an example. If you're writing a personal narrative, so the first skill would be what is a personal narrative? And it will teach the kids, it will tell them that a personal narrative is so-and-so. The second skill is make your selection. So it has the kids decide on what personal narrative they would like to write about. You know, the third skill would be descriptive writing. When you write a personal narrative, then you need to use a lot of words describing your story, so on and so forth. And in each writing and each essay type, the skills are broken down. The students are taken from skill to skill and all the work is done in the workbook so that by the time they finish the workbook, they have a completely beautifully written essay. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, when I uh, was a teacher ages ago and I would um, teach my kids how to write, I found that if I could give them a framework for writing, then they could break it down from there um, and once they knew the framework, then they could expand on it and be able to communicate much more effectively if they had that framework to start. Otherwise, they stare at a blank page and think, I can't possibly do this. I have no idea how to even start. And so by giving that framework like you're talking about, at least I think that's what you're saying. <laughs> then exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, because writing is that type of subject where it's very different than any other subject. In any other subject, we teach the material and we expect the kids to master a specific skill and mm-hmm. then follow the steps to those skills. But with writing, we're asking the kids to dig deep within themselves and express themselves. And you're not giving them you're not holding their hand. They have to come up with their own ideas and they Mm -hmm. get scared by that and it's and it is scary it's scary for adults also you'll find many adults who say oh don't expect me to write an essay yeah you know don't ask me to write anything but it's the same thing with kids because they don't you can't tell them that if you do this a b c d you will get a hundred and in math we have that in history we have that but in writing you can't say it but what i did with these programs is i did do that what i have is a rubric at the end of each program i don't know if you can see it but it's a very detailed rubric and the rubric has the skills broken down and if you include every single one of these skills in the rubric 
which are all taught in the workbook in your writing, then you get an A. So it's very clear. Yeah, so there's a formulaic way to write that makes sense, that people understand, that works. You know, you think of the Journey of a Thousand Heroes uh, by Joseph Campbell, and it, or the Hero's Journey by Joseph Campbell, and you you can see that there is a, a way that we communicate that makes sense and is effective, and it goes beyond that to to writing as well. And so when you talk about it as communication, an adult may say, I can't write an essay, but then you say, well, teacher or person who's employed, could you explain to your boss why you need some sort of investment in your in in your work to be more successful? Well, of course they can. And that's essentially what an essay is. A persuasive essay, at least, is communicating that or an argument essay. And that's where if we can teach those skills early, they don't have to be scary, like I'm not a writer or anything like that. And the amazing thing is, is that they're not scary when kids start out, but we teach them that they need to be afraid of it by not explaining clearly how they can be successful in writing, because everybody can be successful in writing, and then they can grow and develop beyond there. Yes, absolutely. So let's change gears just a little bit more. Because you have this idea for Curriculum HQ that would be really amazing. And can you explain that to us succinctly and briefly so we can understand what your vision for that is? Yes, I can try. (laughs) Um, It's just a big idea. So I don't know how succinctly, but I'll I'll try my best. Um, So I have this idea. And the reason why I called Curriculum Headquarters to begin with is because I started out with this idea. And the idea is that There are so many talented, incredible educators out there whom many of them I have met through Zoom or whatever, and they have incredible ideas and they've created some incredible curriculum. They have courses, teacher training courses, professional development ideas, all kinds of things that would enhance and empower educators. The problem is that everyone I've spoken to have, uh, you know, they're all on these they're all on their own. They're all trying to do it on their own. Some of them are have been like made their things into businesses and are trying to sell it, but they're basically like within a very small radius of people that they can reach. And so I had this idea to create sort of like an Amazon for educational resources, where just like you go on Amazon and you can basically type in any category of anything and get it. So I would want teachers to be able to go on this website and be able to search for any kind of resource that would help them in their classroom or principals in their schools or homeschooling parents for their own homes and be able to see what's available out there and be able to meet different people who have created things, um, you know, set up a Zoom call or see a video or whatever it is and be able to tap into those resources. That's the idea. Yeah, so... Basically, what you're saying is somebody could come along and say, you know what, I need a new writing curriculum because what I'm using just is not reaching my kids. So then you come in and look for writing curriculums, get ideas about what each one offers, and then buy it right then and there and be able right. to access it without having to go find Sarah down the street who's doing this and Jethro who's doing this and right. some other consultant who's doing this. This guy I follow on Twitter, Caleb Hicks, he talks about how Um, education is so decentralized and how that is a good and a bad thing because every teacher can close their door and do whatever they want, basically. And with 
relatively little oversight compared to a lot of other industries. What do you see as the benefit of having a central repository like this? I think the variety, the the capability of, of as a principal being able to access all the all the, these resources that right now I'm not able to access. Like I'll go specifically, let's say in the category of professional development. There are many people out there, like you mentioned before, this Miriam Campbell, who's mm-hmm. creating a SEL curriculum or whatever it is. I have no, yeah, I never heard of her before. Um, imagine if I can go on a website and see what's available, what's out there. Now with Zoom, we can, you know, we have a lot more easy, easily accessible ways of meeting people or getting trained um, virtually. So I just think that there's so much out there and I don't have any way of getting to it. Yeah. So uh, Miriam Campbell, you're talking about uh, that was episode 470 of this podcast. Uh, People can go check that out. And she talks about RTI SEL or SEL in an RTI framework and how to develop and, and give that really powerful stuff. She's doing some great work with that. So I definitely encourage people to check that out. Uh, so in closing, Sarah, what is one thing that a principal can do to be a transformative principal like you? Um, I think that a principal is the educational and instructional leader in the school. And you said something before that's very sad to think that teachers could just go into their classrooms and close the door and there's no oversight. Um, I actually think that that's the job of the principal to make sure that never, ever happens. I think that principals are in that position to make sure that they know exactly what's going on behind those closed doors, whether that means walking into the classrooms on a daily basis, um, whether that means, you know, collecting plan books, meetings with teachers, meetings with kids, meetings with parents, whatever that takes, but that should definitely not be in the cars at all, that there are classrooms with closed doors and uh, the people in charge don't know what's going on behind those closed doors. Yeah, great. Um, If people want to connect with you and actually help you build Curriculum HQ, how would you suggest people get in touch with you, Sarah? I would love that. I would would love some help. (laughs) They can email me at curriculumhq at gmail.com. They can reach out through my website. Um, I would welcome all, all help. <laughs> Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. 
That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E.